Good morning. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and also from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Now hear the word of the Lord. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Paul, writing to the Philippians, he writes, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, because like becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. You may be seated. To those who do the world the most good are those who aren't easily distracted, but are enabled to maintain focus on one thing. What I mean is that there is a goal to reach. There is an objective to strive for. There's a vision to be obtained. And as Paul put it, there's a prize to win. 
In the poem, If by Rudyard Kipling of Jungle Book fame, he wrote this poem. It's about maturity that comes from being singularly focused. He writes this, he says, If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twist it by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Isn't that a great poem? And it it is, it's, it's hard to keep your head when... Others around you are losing theirs. It's tough to keep going when friends are giving up. To stay faithful in the camp of infidels makes you a target. But you press on. And maybe you guess it. Today's sermon is is taken from the text there where Paul says, but one thing I do. See, Paul lets us inside his heart so that we can see what drives him. He says, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I haven't reached the end. And, but one thing I do, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The church, the community of God's people has been left here to do the most good in the world. So like the house of Israel and, and the men of Judah in our Old Testament reading, where, where, they, where God expected out of them good in the world. Instead, he asked, in this song, he sings, What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for grapes, why did it yield only bad? The vineyard of the Lord, verse 7 says, is the house of Israel. The men of Judah are the garden of his delight. Don't you love that phrase? And he looked for justice but saw bloodshed, for righteousness but heard cries of distress. Now you see, these, these texts were written to the people of Israel. They were written as a rebuke because of what God had done in them and done in their midst. And they stand as a warning for us. That we should not lose focus. So 
So like them, God has worked in us. We are his vineyard. He planted us. He cultivated us. We are the garden of his delight. And he's looking for grapes. Justice and righteousness. And we exist to bring the righteousness of God the love of Christ, the fellowship of the spirit, the good news of the gospel to those who are disconnected from God, who are overwhelmed by their sin, to those who are in bondage, to those who who are made in the image of God, but are needing to be remade into the image of Christ. But it takes focus. It takes focus. And from the text here, we learn that what Paul says, you have to hold, forget, and stretch. We have to hold, forget, and stretch. Hold because you're being held. Forget what's behind. Stretch to what's ahead. So let's think about this. So hold on because we're held. In verse 12 of chapter 3, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. First, the apostle acknowledges here that he has not arrived. Doesn't that make you, isn't that great? You You know, I take comfort in that, you know, because I know I haven't arrived And what a humble admission for the Apostle Paul. You know, it's so impressive. His knowledge of the Lord and his his experience in in witnessing his great missionary zeal in taking the gospel that he could admit, I am not perfect. Isn't that, that that is a comfort. And there's some irony. There's some irony in admitting that the path to maturity requires honesty about where you are. You know, as soon, this is true, isn't it? As soon as you claim that you've arrived, you find out you still have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I recall one of, my, one of my first solo trips driving an 18-wheeler. Yeah, I felt confident about getting up the road. I'd received some directions from, from, a, from, a, from a co-worker on how to get to this store. And, and I'm, I'm going through Maryville, Tennessee, which I've never been to before. I get to Lenore City, and I've never been there before. And you know, I had the street name for the store. And what, what street? And there I saw the street name. You know, and I, I turned on that street. And I'm driving down there. And it's narrow. It's hilly. And, and those are rises in the road for those of you here in Delaware. You know, it's, but it's, it's, there's no store here. <laughs> you know, I get back to the warehouse. I did make it to the store. I got back to the warehouse and I said to the guy, I said, you, know, you gave me these directions. You didn't tell me that there is two streets named with this same name. And he said, well, did you cross the lake? There's a lake between Lenore City and Maryville. No, I didn't. He said, well, you turn too soon. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You know what the problem was? <laughs> the problem was, you know, I hadn't gone far enough. See, that's the, that's the way it is. If you think that you've arrived, you have to be reminded, I haven't gone far enough. You have to, like, like Paul, you know, you have to remember that the, your progress in, in joy and faith ends in Christ-likeness. See, do you see yourself as having arrived? 
You know, and if you do think that, you know, you have to remember, I haven't gone far enough. You become dissatisfied with where you're at. Paul said, I haven't been made already perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The goal is Christ likeness. And while we're in these bodies, while we're in these bodies, we're, we're still pursuing that for which Christ has taken hold of us. And this is what Paul says That since Christ held him, he holds on to. What does this, what does he mean? Well, Paul's using some military phrases here. And it's, it's, it's the language of, of pursuing and, and seizing the enemy. See, Paul is recalling his conversion. You remember his conversion? He was knocked off his horse and he was blinded by the light of Christ. and, And he was overwhelmed by the voice of the Lord. And being blinded in that encounter, he went to a stranger's house, Ananias, and and he received his sight. But Paul was never the same after that. The Lord had seized him. And now, he says, he's pursuing Christ. He's holding on because he is held. Paul had a target on his back that God was aiming his arrows of, of love and redemption in Christ at. And Jesus shot him. On the Damascus Road, and Paul was forever wounded by this love. You see how the gospel, how the gospel works, how it changes you? And don't mistake that, that Paul's effort is, is because he's clear. It's not, he said, this is not my effort. He's clear about it, that it's all of Christ and none of him. And since he's being held, he must stretch. He said, I must, I must, I must forget what is behind. Verse 13, he writes, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Do you hear Paul's dissatisfaction? You hear, you hear it in his, in his statement? He said, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. I can't stop running. I can't stop pursuing him. You remember on that Damascus road? When he hears the voice of Jesus, he's saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's reply was, who are you, Lord? And here, these years, some years later, Paul is still saying, I want to know the Lord. I want to know you, Lord. You see, the pursuit means that he has to forget his previous path that he described in verses 5 through 9 of chapter 3, where he says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, all these things that made him who he thought he was, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. See, Paul is saying, in order for me to seize upon this righteousness that God has captured me with, in order for me to seize upon it, I must neglect, that's what the word forget means, some things. Forget counting on my privilege as a Hebrew of the Hebrews. No more Hebrew supremacy. No more, say it loud, I'm of Benjamin's tribe and proud. No, but now, he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Paul say no more self-righteousness that's rooted in cultural and, and ethnic pride. The knowledge of, of Christ is more excellent than all that stuff that's comprised his life before. Let me ask you, what weight do you give the knowledge of Christ in your life? See, if your job is keeping you from, from knowing Christ, which would you choose? You see, knowing Christ, knowing Christ means you have to forget some other things. Paul said, I count it all caca. That's the word. Dung. He said, I count it, I, this is what, I count it all dung. I count it all lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, the blessing of, of knowing Christ is, is it's so rich, it's so superior, it's so transcendent that nothing else can be considered good in comparison. This surpassing knowledge of Christ is, it's not a Sunday school lesson, and it's not even listening to a sermon. No, it begins and continues and ends with the gospel. The knowledge of Christ starts with abandoning your own righteousness, your efforts at righteousness, and receiving the righteousness that is from God and is by faith. That's the gospel message. And I wish that I could, you know, Oh, I wish that I could have learned that early on. I didn't learn this till I was about 40 years old. I wish I, I wish that I had learned that I became a Christian. I was only 19, but I didn't understand this until I was about 40. Now, so I wish, you know, for you young people, for if you're, you're listening, you're watching, you know, if you can learn this truth, you will be miles ahead of your peers. And on the cross... This righteousness of God is given to us through Christ. On the cross, we gave him our sin and he gave us his righteousness. He took our death and gave us his life. He bore our punishment so that we could share in his reward. You see, this is not a righteousness that we brought for ourselves, but it is a righteousness that God brings to us. The justice, as we can allude to back to, to Isaiah 5, 7, the justice that God looked for came because of the bloodshed of Jesus. The righteousness that God looks for is because of Jesus' cries of distress on the cross. Philippians 3, 9, Paul said this, and he wanted to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Well, did the hymn writer pen, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. 
Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. You see, this gift of love and righteousness changed the apostle. And it led to a more passionate pursuit for Paul. Because he's stretching. He's stretching. He says he stretches to what is ahead in verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, stretching toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, when it was Paul's righteousness, when it was his own righteousness, he committed murder in the name of God. But now that it's Christ's righteousness, Paul is willing to be murdered for those whom he once hated and persecuted. You see, Christ's righteousness brings about that kind of dynamic. See, where Paul didn't have a desire to love, now there's a desire to know Christ, to share his sufferings, to know the power of his resurrection, and to attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, Christ's kind of righteousness doesn't lead to a self-satisfying life, but a self-sacrificing Christ-like kind of life. You remember why the apostle is in jail? Because as you read this letter, you wouldn't think that Paul, I mean, there's so much joy being expressed from the apostle, you would think that he's sitting in his easy chair smoking a pipe. <laughs> you know, but he's sitting in jail, chained, 24-7. He's sitting in jail. And you remember why he's in jail? It wasn't because he was preaching the gospel. That's not why Paul was in jail. No, what landed him in jail, he t- what, what, what is it that landed him? He said that he was in chains because he preached the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians six nineteen and 20 says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And then what is that mystery? What is the mystery of the gospel? Well, earlier he said it in Ephesians 3, verse 6. He said, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And for the Jews and the Romans, that was a crime worthy of being chained. That Jesus would produce this kind of unity, Rome couldn't. That Jesus would produce this kind of righteousness that the Jews couldn't. See, Paul's producing exactly the kind of fruit, or the grapes, that God was working in him. And now, Paul is far more passionate than he was before. And what's the difference? Grace. The difference is grace. Grace makes the pursuit singular. Because you know what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul always wanted to fulfill the law. That's what he wanted. He was uh, was singular focused before Christ got a hold of him. He wanted to fulfill the law, but he was actually breaking it. And it isn't until Christ strikes him blind that he begins to see. 
He begins to see how Christ fulfills the law through his life of perfect obedience. Christ, the Holy Spirit would reveal through the apostle, is the end of the law for all who believe. And since Christ Jesus fulfilled the law for Paul, now Paul has exactly what he desired all along. Perfect obedience applied to his account. Vindication. That's what justification is. Vindication. And isn't that what we all long for? We long for it. We all long for this. And so he would say, that's why he would say, one thing I do. I press Toward the goal, I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's gospel stretching. And if this is true, and it is, that those who do the world the most good are those who aren't easily distracted, but are enabled to maintain focus on one thing, then what is your focus? Are you... Being distracted. As I can tell you, and we, and we can be assured, God hasn't changed his plan. He's calling us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. In these cultural moments, when people are losing their heads, they can be distracting. But, press on. Though the pandemic lingers long, press on. Your call is heavenward in Christ. That lasts, the pandemic won't. The virus, this virus can be a distraction. Don't lose sight of the destination. Press on. Press on. Though the debates were a debacle, And the president has been infected with COVID-19 and and the partisans are, are partying over his illness. Don't be distracted for God's call of unity in Christ isn't based on a political party's platform. Press on in loving your Christian family across the lines of political party. Since we are one in Christ, for his sake, press on. See, though the streets are are filling with violence and and the fires of, of racial division are being stoked with all kinds of inflammatory rhetoric, press on. Forgetting what is behind. The cultural pride and and privilege that, that didn't bring about the righteousness that God requires. But by grace and like Christ, seek to please your neighbor rather than pleasing yourself. Because you know there is a higher plane in Christ that you have found. Press on. It's the one thing we do. Let's pray. Lord, your grace for us has enabled, does enable us. Oh, Father, may our hearts take it in. May we, like our brother, like like the Apostle Paul, pursue knowing you in the Christ-likeness that only you can produce. Produce it in us for the glory of your name. Lord, may you find fruit 
greats of justice and righteousness that shine in our community. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.